Good morning, online family. It is so good to be with y'all this morning. I feel like it's been quite a while since I've popped in online, so I'm extra excited about today's message. I'm gonna be bringing something that God has shared with me that I have just been so excited about for quite some time now. Um, but before we get started, just for those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Fondren, and even though it's been a little while since you've seen me or you're like, maybe you've never seen me online before and you're wondering who in the world I am, well, I'm just somebody who volunteers here at the church sometimes, and um, I just love to share what God puts on my heart because I just feel like if he's speaking to me about something, I know somebody else could have a word and a revelation from him too. And I still, my mind is blown every time that he uses me in this kind of capacity. And I often say that when I have the honor and the privilege of bringing the Sunday message because if God's calling me to do something like this, I just know that he has so many gifts and talents that he's instilled in you that he wants to use to further his kingdom. So that's why I say it every time I'm speaking, because if God uses me, he certainly wants to use you. But enough about me, because we're here to talk about Jesus this morning. So let's dive right into the message by starting off with prayer. So God, thank you so much for being just amazing and awesome and good. And as always, God, I just pray that the word that you have given me will go forth and accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it today, Lord. And I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for each of us to receive and to know you more. God, I pray that the our eyes are open to see you for who you are. Our ears are open to hear from you today. And God, soften our hearts to receive and just change us from the inside out. We want more of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Tim started a sermon series called Live a Better Story. And hopefully by now, most of you know that we've been in this process for about seven or eight months now of rebranding our church. And we've gone as far as to change the name of the church that we've had for the last 40 years. So Lamb of God Fellowship, which was our old name, that generation which many of whom still come to the church week after week and are serving faithfully still from day one at this church. So they laid this solid foundation over the last 40 years that has really paved the way for this new generation to build something amazing for God's kingdom, you know, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever even hope or imagine in and of ourselves. And this generation, they sowed seeds like crazy. They were faithful and they didn't grow weary of doing good because they knew that in due season, they were going to reap a harvest. And guys, it's, it's my belief that the harvest is here and it's now. And I'm so excited about it. That's one reason why the Lamb of God Fellowship is now real life. And it's our vision and, and it's our passion and it's our heart to reach this community by encouraging everybody to come as you are, knowing that Jesus loves you too much to keep you that way in the first place. Because when you come to real life, whether you're here at the church physically or part of our online campus, when you come to real life, you're going to experience and have an encounter with the giver of life and life to the full. And that's where you begin to live a better story. When you realize that the author and the finisher of your faith is a little better at writing than you are, 
your life is going to change and it's going to change to be something better than you ever thought it could be. It's not going to necessarily be easier because the, the life dedicated to Christ is never an easy path, but it's going to be better than you could ever imagine. And it's going to be good. So this is why I'm excited for today's message, because those seeds that the previous generation were so faithfully planting and have planted, they're ready for harvest. So church, it is time. And so today's message, today's message is supposed to give you like a new perspective on the necessity to engage the church as a whole. Again, whether you're part of our online campus, you're part of a different church and you're just checking us out, you're a part of real life, whatever it is, the church, the global church into getting out there and snatching as many souls as we can from those flames of judgment, as Jude puts it. Because if you haven't noticed, you know, this kind of message actually, so my message today is supposed to shed some light on a new command that Jesus gave while he was here, to love as he's loved. Because if you haven't noticed, this kind of love is how Jesus' ministry was and still is so effective today. So I want to read for us uh, this week's memory verse, because it's going to be the foundation of the next couple weeks um, messages. And it comes from John 13, 34. And it says, and this is Jesus speaking, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It seems simple, right? And you know, how many of us know that the kingdom of heaven is a completely different way of thinking than the world's way? So when Jesus said to love one another, he didn't leave that statement open-ended and up for interpretation. I think he intentionally specified how we are to love one another because he knew that the corruption of his day was only going to get worse and worse and that the concept of love was only going to get more skewed. So I think that he made sure that we knew exactly what kind of love we are to have when he said as I have loved you. So this is Jesus' love. This is not man's love. This is not the world's love. This is not the distorted version of love that says that we need to accept or excuse sin all in the name of acceptance or equality. Because we know that sin, and, and remember, we've learned that sin does not mean going out and doing evil things that the world says is evil. No, sin is simply missing the mark. And we've learned that sin leads to destruction of our spirit, which eventually spills over into our soul, our mind, and, and then even our body becomes affected and destroyed by sin. And so what kind of love would allow somebody to be given over to this destruction? No, true love, Jesus's version of love is transformational and it gives us the opportunity despite our propensity to sin to be renewed, redeemed and restored from that sin. And that is the power of God's unfailing love. That is the love that Jesus has called us to model. So what does this mean for us? Um, I want to take the next few minutes to kind of break down this new command so that we can know what it actually means. So we're going to learn what this new command is, why we should even care about it in the first place, and then most importantly, perhaps, how we're supposed to apply it to our own personal lives. 
So first things first, what does this new command mean? And if Jesus said to love as he's loved, we can all agree that it must be pretty important, you know, because Jesus said it. And so we need to know what this kind of love looks like. So obviously we got to hit the scriptures and the topic of love, we could spend days and, and probably weeks and months and who knows, maybe even years unlocking what God's concept of love is. So I'm just going to hit the basics here of where the Spirit led me during this message preparation. And so for starters, I want to look at how the Bible describes God's character since we're supposed to be modeling ourselves after Him. And it comes from Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And it says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavished unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. So I recently finished a Bible study on the YouVersion Bible app that was created by the Bible Project. If you've never heard of them, they're pretty awesome. But I did this uh, Bible study specifically in preparation for this week's message. And I learned that this five-fold description of God's character is mentioned more than 20 times throughout the rest of the Bible. So that tells me that it must be pretty significant that it keeps mentioning these five specific qualifications of God's character. I also learned that this unfailing love described in this passage, since we're talking about love to begin with, is from the Hebrew word kesed, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation here, but kesed includes the concepts of love, generosity, and enduring commitment. So in simple terms, it's a loyalty rooted in deep personal care. And it's clear from this passage from Exodus that this kind of unfailing love does not mean that sin is excused. He says the guilty is not excused. He does not excuse the guilty, as we talked about earlier. But no, it means that in his love for us, he provides a payment for that sin by sending his son to die on the cross. So we're redeemed and restored anyway. And he forgives for a thousand generations amazing. It's powerful. But what's even better, this kind of unfailing love, God's unfailing love has never been and never will be contingent upon us being worthy enough to receive it or working hard enough to get it. This unfailing love is just part of who God is. It's his essence. It's just his natural instincts. It's who he is to love like this. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. So powerful. So now that we have a better picture of love being a part of you know, who God is, I want to take a look at a few more scriptures of what this new command Jesus gave is all about. So I like to turn to the love chapter of the Bible when trying to decide if my actions or my thoughts are in aligned with God's version of love um, or not. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to be reading from verses 4 through 8. You guys know this, I'm sure. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, I sure that there's more than a few of us out there who have quoted this passage for our wedding vows. And I got to thinking maybe we need to be 
looking back at this scripture a little bit more when we're thinking about how we're loving our spouses. But, you know, honestly, I think I might just be talking to myself here, but, you know, anyway, God's grace is sufficient. So, but some more examples of what this type of love looks like. John 3.16. I know I can't hear you, but I want you to say it with me. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So this means that love is sacrifice. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. This means that love is selfless. Love is countercultural. Love is purely good in every way. And so, now that we've covered the basics of what this kind of love is and what this command kind of means, I want to look at why we should care in the first place. And so I tried to break it down into the simplest terms as possible. And it comes from a very simple verse that you'll be able to memorize as soon as I say it. 1 John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. We learned it. From him, from the source of love is where we learned. And so love is this, this innate um, inherited attributes of, attribute of the entire human race. And as we learn from our discussion of what love is, God himself is the exemplification of love. And then we can gather from Genesis 1:26 that we are made by God's purpose and design after his image. And this includes our ability and our desire to love. And from my, what I've learned in my studies to prepare for this message, this includes emotions in general to be made in his image, includes his emotions in general. And I used to say, and maybe you've heard me say this, that feelings are fickle and cannot be trusted. But wow, God taught me, how dare I say that? God is the one who feels so deeply and has made us to have those same feelings. So I've changed up my saying a little bit. And now I'm going to say human feelings can be fickle and must be filtered through the spirit of God. Because I've been coming to find that God is a God of so many emotions. The Bible tells us that he laughs. He rejoices. He's compassionate. He's jealous. He gets angry. He grieves. He hates. He loves. The contrast between us and him is that our emotions are often immature and, and triggered by usually petty stimuli, external stimuli, whether it's good or bad. And this usually leads to a response out of a self-centered place from within us and often ends up leading us to sin. That's when we have our own emotions by ourselves. But then God's emotions are mature and they're in response to sin or injustice or disobedience, not shallow matters. And his emotional response always stems from an overflow of his love for us and is always resulting in justice and mercy and grace. So may we learn to filter our emotions through the purity of the cross. And that leads us to spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity is measured by our love. This brings me to the next point of why we should care in the first place about this new command that Jesus gave. Because spiritual maturity is measured by our love. It's not measured by our church attendance. It's not measured by our bank account. It's not measured by our Bible knowledge or worldly success. No, the Bible tells us in our love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, 
if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You know, it's obvious at this point that one reason that we should care about loving like Jesus loves is because we are made in God's image and that comes along with his ability and this, this innate ability and desire to love, but there's more to it. And I, I want to quote, a, a, I want to quote my favorite pastor of all time, Pastor Tim, by the way, he says that the litmus test of a disciple of Jesus is love in action. And this is so spot on because it comes from the latter part of our memory verse, which will actually be next week's verse um, over the next couple weeks anyway. And this is John 1335. And it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the litmus test of a disciple of Jesus is love in action. John 13, 35. And I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It's such a beautiful imagery when we read it from this one. It says, same verse, John 13, 35. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you are my true followers. True followers. Not those posers. Not those that masquerade as angels of light proclaiming God's name while bringing condemnation and shame upon anybody and everybody who doesn't think or act the way that they do. These are the people that give the name Christian a bad rap. But now hear me out. Don't get me wrong. We are human, so we are going to make mistakes, and there might be times where we act a little hypocritical and we might seem to give the name Christ a bad rap. But the difference in Christ's true followers and those posers are that we are covered in grace and mercy every single day. And when we mess up, God covers us in that, not just extending grace and mercy and forgiveness from himself to us, but over the entire situation and oftentimes to that person that we may have wronged. And so maybe the witness that you've been working on for so long, it won't be ruined after one foolish mistake that you made. That's the difference between Christ's true followers and those posers that make God look bad. So anyway, I want to encourage you to be Christ's true followers because when we grasp that we love out of the overflow that God first has for us and when we grasp that we are made in his image and that includes how he feels and sees the world, we are transformed and we begin to look and act like Jesus and we begin to have the heart of Jesus. And when this happens, we realize that probably the most important reason why we care to love as Christ loves is that we must get a move on and take back the darkness and win souls for Christ. Because when we love as he's commanded, we break down strongholds and we bring hope to a world that doesn't even believe in goodness anymore, especially goodness from a church. So, you know, all this information is, it's good, it's great, it's wonderful, it sounds awesome, it gets you fired up. And I was getting all pumped up in the spirit while I was preparing the message. And it's been my prayer all week that you are getting pumped up right now, getting inspired, hearing, from the, the, hearing the voice of God. But if we don't know how to apply these concepts to our daily lives, it's all kind of a moot point anyway, right? 
So I want to talk about how we can actually apply this command because the whole point of the Christian faith, the the whole reason for us having a relationship with Jesus and our purpose for life, if you will, is meant to bring glory to our Father in heaven and allow him to transform our entire lives so that loving him and worshiping him becomes a lifestyle. It's not some religion that we save a couple hours a week on Sunday morning you know, for, but rather it becomes our entire reason for existence, loving him, worshiping him, being transformed by him. And this concept often gets either overlooked or just not achieved because it seems completely impossible or overwhelming. I spent years just being a sideline Christian because not because I didn't want to make a difference. It was because I thought it was not my calling or I thought it was too far fetched for me, this lowly girl from Montrose, Michigan. You know, I thought that was for the other people, the saints of God. You know, it took me a long time to realize that sometimes one of the enemy's best tactics is to cause us to think this way. You know, that we aren't the ones that Jesus died for. We aren't meant to live a better story. We aren't the ones called to change this world. We aren't the ones meant to save souls. So I want to take a second right here, right now to tear down this lie once and for all, okay? So listen to me, you are the one that Jesus died for. You are meant to live a better story. You are the one called to change the world, starting with the people that you do life with. And you are the one meant to save souls. That's the truth. It doesn't have to be some huge gesture or evangelical event. You don't have to be a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa to do something and to to make an impact on somebody else's eternity. The normal, everyday attention in and action of seeing a need and meeting it and finding a hurt and healing it, that is powerful. And that's how the everyday life (laughs) becomes the magnificent miracle. And this is done when we simply start living in the overflow of God's love in us and then allow it to flow through us. So in order to have this overflow so that we can pour into other people's lives, we need to have enough supply of our own to be full in the first place. So this is done by being intentional in how we spend our time, talents, and resources. I listed a few things here. Very simple. Come to church, whether it's online or in person, come to church. We learned last week from Pastor Tim's message that the Sunday morning service is special because it's a divine appointment that God made way back when time first began for us here on earth. When he said the Sabbath time is sacred and holy, he meant it as a scheduled divine holy appointment to set aside to have with him. So come to church, okay? Read your Bible, read it daily, dig deep. And do more than just what I was doing back when I didn't grasp and I wasn't living in the overflow of God's love because I didn't think that I was the one that was meant to live that way. I would used to read one verse and, you know, half awake, half asleep. And then I'd be like, okay, check, done my good deed, done my Bible reading for the day. Yep, went to church this week. Okay, I'm going to go about my day. No, that's not where the life is. I have since come to found that this word truly is alive and it's active. The Bible tells us it's sharper than any double-edged sword, sharp enough to, to pierce bone from marrow, soul from spirit. Guys, this is the love story that he wrote for us. 
That's what this is all about. So dig deep, get into his word. You won't regret it. Also, you can join a life group. Do life with others. Again, this can be online. This could be with just a few people in your, what I call COVID pod, that you get together with um, and just do life together. Talk about what God's doing. Talk about the struggles. Talk about real life. Dig into his word together. Edify each other. Learn from each other. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. That's what the Bible tells us. You can also listen to Christian music. Turn off your rap songs. Turn off your country songs. Turn off your oldies even. I love oldies so much. But sometimes you got to turn it off. Listen to worship music. Listen to the people that God has gifted with this amazing ability to sing his truth in such a beautiful way. It'll resonate. It'll change your life. Um, come to the Fresh Fire series. We're doing that here at the church every second Saturday uh, of every month. And it's just this intentional time that we're setting aside to ask God for more, more, more of his outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And if you can't, can't make it, do something like it. Again, get together with some people and just put on some worship music and get into God's presence and seeking him for even more of his spirit to be poured out upon you. Ephesians 5.18 tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we learned, this particular passage is meant to be interpreted as like a present tense verb. And Pastor Tim puts it like this, be ye being filled. So it's like this continual thing. And then John 15.5 says, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So stay connected here. And then we can take this practical step into loving as Jesus loves once we're connected to the vine. And we can fulfill what Mark 16, 15 says when it says, go, make disciples of all nations, go to the ends of the earth. So we can do this by being vessels of God's love. And most of us are not called to the literal ends of the earth, but we can support those who are. And then we can be faithful and good stewards of the call that he has put on our lives in the place that he's called us, whether it's Montrose, Clio, Flushing, you know, a variant of all those things. If we're faithful in where God placed us, then that's a job well done. And if you make your spiritual life your life, which it should be, you'll start to talk about what God's doing. You'll start to love sacrificially and as a servant, as Jesus loves. You'll start to speak truth. It'll become this instinctual thing and others will see your good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. They'll taste and see that the Lord is good. So here at Real Life, we have been working to develop an intentional way for us to apply these concepts and become a force to be reckoned with in taking the gospel to the lost. So I want to share with you what's been in the works, and I want to invite you into what's been going on here, because this is a movement that God has started in us and through us. And if you haven't been a part of our um church for long, you've missed out on the fact, so I'll just catch you up. God is on the move here in a way that I have never seen God moved in my entire life. Souls are being saved. Lives are being changed for the better. People who have been in bondage for years are instantly being set free. People who have been wrapped up in addictions for years are instantly being set free. Guys, God is doing something big and mighty here. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. It is so exciting because I truly believe that if we all do our part as individuals, then the ends of the earth will be reached. And then we get to be the generation that ushers in the coming of Christ. 
so exciting. So specifically, I want to share with you how we as a church are intentionally loving others. And I'm so excited to announce that our labor of love ministry has been reimagined, if you will. So, and one of the main points of the next couple of weeks and of this sermon series is to inform everyone that we're kicking off this version 2.0 of this ministry this month. Okay, so just for a little quick history here, Labor of Love is a ministry that was started at this church a few years ago as a means to meet the needs of the people in the community and the people in our church family. And it was birthed out of the overflow of God's love in real life's very own Heidi Root when she was inspired by God to do something, when she was looking around and seeing that there were all these needs that needed to be met, and God spoke to her and revealed that God's people, the family of believers, can and should come together. We can pool our time, talent, our resources, and we can meet these needs and change lives through service done out of love for people. So that's where Labor of Love came from. And this ministry has since become exceedingly abundantly more and I believe is going to continue to grow into something exceedingly abundantly more than we can even hope or imagine in our own minds. So Labor of Love has now become our church's entire community outreach. And while it used to be a ministry that was engaged when a need was brought up, It has now become a ministry that is intentionally seeking out needs on a regular basis with the purpose to invade the darkness by shining God's light, by being love in action. So we're doing this by launching seasonal labor of love campaigns is what we're calling them. And each campaign is meant to inspire the church to become engaged in loving our community and therefore winning souls for God's kingdom. And the way this is going to happen, every two months, there will be a seasonally specific campaign with a specific purpose. And each of these months during that campaign will include a outreach program, so a monthly outreach program, as well as ideas for how you can keep the love going on a daily basis by giving you inspiration on how you can join in this love in action movement is what we're calling it. So if you're with me so far, I'm going to keep on going. This love in action movement is like a subset of our labor of love outreach ministry. So the love in action is meant to condition us to do random acts of kindness throughout the week that will eventually transform us into making this a part of our regular daily routines to do random acts of kindness out of the love of God's overflow in us regularly. It's supposed to condition us to do that. That's the point of the love in action movement. So every time that you love one another as Christ loves, you can leave a love in action card behind. So I've included a description of, actually this is the description, a description of what this card means, what this movement is all about, as well as some ideas for how you can apply that and how you can be love in action. And this can be found on our website. So it's different than our mobile app. You'll actually have to go to yourreallife.com, go to our outreach page and scroll down and you'll see this information on what the love and action movement looks like as well as the labor of love ministry. And then it'll have some examples of these love and action cards. And these, there's a few different versions of them. And these are what you'll leave behind when you perform a love and action or a random act of kindness. 
So if you're watching online, you can check out our website, but you can actually come to the church during normal business hours. They're open like Thursday through or Tuesday through Thursday during normal business hours. And these will be at the welcome desk. You can pick up a chunk, a couple of them, whatever. Um, and if you'll notice, there's, there's minimal writing on these cards, but our web address and a QR code are included on each and every card. And this was intentional because it's meant to catch the eye of the recipient and kind of pique their curiosity to either check out our website or scan the QR code. So that's the point of it. And if the recipient of this card goes to our website, they're gonna be able to kind of take a look at what this church is all about, what we're up to, and they'll even have the opportunity to plan a Sunday morning visit, which is kind of cool. So if they scan the QR code, they're going to be taken to a form that they can put their first name, where they're from, and a brief description on how they receive their card. And then when they hit the submit button, it will automatically redirect them to our outreach page so that they can take a look at what we're up to and they can figure out what we're what our church is all about and decide if they want to become a part of it. And each of those forms will then be submitted and emailed to our Labor of Love ministry. And those testimonies are going to be compiled for us to use at a later date. So we're pretty excited. Um, and the vision here is to get these love and action cards circulated to become this movement that reaches from city to city, county to county, state to state, and maybe even eventually overseas. And that this leaf, this real life leaf, ends up becoming this symbol of God's unfailing love. And then it leaves a wake of kindness and goodness and actions of love in its path. So that's the, that's the vision here. So we're so excited about it. And while this is going on, while this love and action becomes our daily routine, just a part of who we are, um, each seasonal campaign will change every two months. And at the end of each campaign, there's going to be like a grand finale event. And that grand finale event is going to kind of correlate with the major community outreach events that our church has already been doing for years that, we're, that we are already well known for. You know, like the, the Christmas Eve candlelight service, the marriage conference, the Easter event, those kinds of things. So specifically, currently, from November to December, we're officially kicking off our first campaign. And so from November to December, we're in a campaign called a season of thanks and giving. And this specific campaign is meant to encourage us to celebrate your blessings by being a blessing. So in November, we're doing this by serving at the Eastern Michigan Food Bank, which a group of us went to yesterday, and it was so much fun. A ton of people were there. It was amazing and awesome. Um, and then in December, we're heading to Hyde Park Nursing Home in Flushing to sing Christmas carols to the residents. And then the children's ministry and the youth ministry are going to be making um, Christmas cards to take to deliver to those residents as well. And then the grand finale for this season of Thanksgiving campaign, we are encouraging each and every one of us to simply invite one person and then come yourself to the Christmas Eve candlelight service. So whether you join us online or here at the church, invite at least one person to join us. These are such simple yet very intentional direction that can truly make a lasting impact. And it's a huge shift for our church. So a lot's happening and we're going to take some time next week to, to talk more about this. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you to come and pick up some of these love and action cards and get 
loving as Christ loves this week. Do a random act of kindness and, and leave this card behind and then check out our outreach page too online. It's pretty awesome. So in closing, I just have a few more words to share with you. We are at a time in history that is absolutely pivotal. We can continue on the path that the world has set before us, or we continue, we can be countercultural and we can allow God to brand us with his name, which is love. Brand us with his love so that his concept of love becomes our very essence and pours out of us so that we end up changing the world's trajectory forever. And then this distorted version of love is completely disintegrated and dissolved. So I want to take just a few moments this morning for us to seek God. Just ask for his direction. Seek his will this morning. Ask him how you can be filled with this unfailing love to the point that it overflows from you into every person that you come in contact around you. And then ask him for this love to be life-giving and transforming, not just for you, but for those around you. And I know that I just want to say there are many of you already living in this overflow. You've been a good and faithful servant and you've been doing random acts of kindness and you've been loving as Jesus loves. I want to commend you. I want to say, keep up the good work. Don't grow weary in doing good because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. God is blessing you. He's rewarding you. So I want you to take some time this morning to seek how he can continue to use you. Maybe how he can help you inspire others to get on board and to start living in God's overflow and loving as Jesus loved or loves. And then if you don't know this Jesus who commands us to love this way, you know, he's this leader that doesn't command our money. He doesn't command, well, he commands everything, but he doesn't command out of selfish gain. He commands us to love. If you want to know this Jesus, who's going to change your life for the better, like something that you've never experienced. I want to give you the opportunity this morning. So just let's pray. And, and if you want to know this Jesus, if you want to just experience real life to the full, just pray this after me. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I want to know you. Show me who you are. I give myself up today. I give up my will my agenda, and I ask you to forgive me for living for myself. I pray that you show yourself to me and teach me how to live life beyond myself and experience your unfailing love. Thank you for loving me. I'm choosing to give my heart to you today. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, all I want to say is welcome to the family. Please reach out, connect with us, call the church, put something in your comment section, email the church, whatever it is, reach out and get connected because we want to come alongside you and just be there for you as you start this new journey and then connect you with some resources that'll get you fired up and help your life and help you become to live a better story. Um, so one final thought for today. Um, the Bible tells us that we have been given everything that we need for life and godliness and you are called to be a world changer. So don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking that you aren't the one that was meant to change the world. And don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking that what you're already doing isn't enough. So I want to challenge you this week. 
just to find one need and meet it. Do one random act of kindness and leave a love and action card behind and then trust that God is going to move mountains and break strongholds. Guys, I want to pray and then send you off with a blessing. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. And again, I just pray that your word, I trust it will not return void. I pray a special blessing upon my online family, blessing for safety, peace, wholeness, that this message today resonates with them and stirs something up inside them and and that there's a revelation on what this love means. God, we love you so much. We praise your name. Amen.